Hi, it's Karen here. And before we begin, I want to share some behind the scenes information. I have been organizing, writing, hosting, and producing this show for nearly two years. And I love sharing stories to inspire you with these messages of hope, happiness, and better health. Though in the day-to-day, there are costs incurred. And so we've created some inspirational swag. From t-shirts to baby onesies to cropped hoodies and more, this will hopefully help us afford to produce this show. So please, I would appreciate it if you'd check it out. You can go to prettywellness.com and head to the shop tab. Let's begin. I want to welcome you to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. I'm Karen Sullivan, the founder of Pretty Wellness, a two-time breast cancer survivor thriving with stage four disease and author of the book, Happiness Through Hardship, a guide for cancer patients and caregivers that shares the same name as this podcast. I'm also a girl who wishes on pennies. I try to see the good in everything, even when life is not so great. But sometimes it takes a little more. And this podcast will provide you with what worked well for me. Success stories of people that have been through hard times and simple suggestions that brought hope, resources, and connections. If you've liked these episodes, please do me a favor, rate, review, and subscribe. Your efforts truly will help this podcast get noticed and help us inspire more people. Or reach out to us at Pretty Wellness on Instagram. We love connecting and sharing healthy lifestyle resources. So please, grab your favorite drink, get cozy, and let's get started. I am so honored to introduce you to Kimberly Snyder, a well-known positive force in health, wellness, and frankly, throughout the world. She's a spiritual guide, a meditation teacher, celebrity nutritionist, podcast host, and three-time New York Times bestselling author. Kimberly's also an incredibly successful entrepreneur. She's the founder of Saluna, a healthy lifestyle brand and community focused on four cornerstones of true beauty. This includes supplements, skincare, digital courses, as well as its own proprietary practical enlightenment meditations. She's worked with the entertainment industry's top celebs, helping them feel their best, including Drew Barrymore, Reese Witherspoon, and Channing Tatum, to name a few. While those titles and experiences help us create a picture of her, her core, the essence of her, is so much more. She's traveled the world and learned from some of the most profound spiritual educators that have inspired her to write her new book, You Are More Than You Think You Are, which expands on how we all are, our core, and that's so much more than we think we are. Now, I am so excited to say that in her local travels, I met her during her Radical Beauty book tour. And can I tell you the positive energy she brings to not only her work and her life, but her one-on-one conversations is truly authentic and enjoyable. And today, she's going to share with us how we can all learn to truly feel the beauty, love, and joy all around and especially within ourselves. Welcome, Kimberly, to Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast. Wow. Thank you so much for having me. That was an incredible intro. Thank you so much. 
It's you. It's truly you. I hope I encapsulated it because after reading your book and knowing what you work towards, and as you serve, I should say, when I use the word work, I mean that lightly because I know this is this is your life's work. This is your passion. This is your heart. And that I believe from what I've read, the essence of you. And it is so helpful for so many. And I really, I really think I want you to open up and just tell the listeners a little bit about you because in your journey to find your true self, and for all of us out there that still are working on that, or and perhaps we're always working on it, where did it begin? And how have you evolved towards it? Um, wow. So, so many questions in there, Karen. Thank you so much for that setup. You know, for me, for all of us, I think it's, you know, it's so wonderful to share, to hear each other's stories, because I think that, you know, we're here to support each other. And from the beginning, my journey has always been, you know, I started writing books now 10 years ago. This is book number six in 10 years. And it's always been, you know, the content of the books have been different, but it's always been the same mission, which is really just sharing my passion for um, sharing what's helped me the most. And so it's really evolved over 10 years. Um, you know, in the beginning, I was very confused. I was very anxious. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. I had no idea how to take care of my body. I was bloated. I was constipated. I had acne. I had low energy. And so in the beginning, I was, you know, I started out as a seeker and I didn't know what I was seeking, but I knew I was in some way trying to seek some sort of peace, some sort of alleviation from the discomfort I was feeling within myself. And so because I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life, I'd save some money and I started traveling. I started backpacking and I thought that it would only be a few weeks. And then as I started on the road, it just started like the snowball. I started meeting people and I started being pulled into all these different countries. And, you know, I started to realize I could really travel for a few dollars a day, which I didn't realize was possible. In Africa, I camped and, you know, lived out of this car I bought for a few thousand dollars and then sold the car back and kept going. And so by the end, it ended up being over you know, three years, around three years and over 50 countries. And so for me, Karen, this was a very... Um, you know, a very important part of the journey for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I was able to be out of the Western world for that time. I was mostly in Asia and Africa and some South America, some Eastern Europe. And so what that did was it started to completely break down my conceptions, perceptions of myself, of beauty, of wellness, of success and achievement. And in its place, I mean, I was so open at that point in my life. I was, I had this much more expansive view that I came to adopt as my philosophy. And so I, um, you know, I was, you know, it was, it was just, it completely changed my life. And one of the places that had the biggest impact on me was India. So the first time I went, I was there for about three months. And then, you know, at some point I circled back and I was there in a very specific trip where I went to some specific pilgrimage places and some specific uh, spiritual sites and, and places as I started to get deeper. Um, but when I first went to India, I had never done yoga, I'd never done meditation. I didn't really know what yoga was. And so it was there that I started to learn about these really, um, the deep yogic science. When I came back, and I was starting to apply these teachings. And what happened was, Karen, you know, I was sitting on my bed. I had no money when I got back, but I was going deep into particularly the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda, who's the one that brought yoga from the East to the West. 
And I was starting to see these patterns emerging in my life. And a lot of his teachings are about what he calls dynamic will and concentrating our energy and taking it out of the peripheral nervous system and into your spine and into your brain and into your central nervous system and really learning how to tap into your best ideas and how to tap into this, you know, use the term true self, which is really what my book is about, unlocking this potential of our unique energy and our unique power. So the beginning of the journey was the travel. And then the next beginning was like, oh, wow, I'm coming back. I'm living in New York City. You know, I talked about before the podcast, I'm from the East Coast. So I had a lot of family over there, but I didn't have any money and I still didn't know what I wanted to do. But I was applying these teachings and I was learning to go into my own, like really understanding my energy, tapping into the true self, um, which is really uh, beyond the form, beyond what we look like, beyond what we're doing. But it's the, you know, the voice of our intuition, the voice of our um, gut and, you know, where we go into the heart energy. And so I, you know, I was starting to create out of nothing. Literally, I started a free blog and I went back, I was teaching yoga. I was going back to nutrition school. I didn't know anything about SEO or marketing, but I was just leading with my heart. And so this blog, I was putting out information about, uh, you know, traveling and, and, you know, my perspectives of beauty and food and all this stuff. And it was just great, you know, it was starting to um, gain momentum in New York City, which is where I was living, just through my yoga students, they were the only people I told. And the funny thing is, Karen is, um, my first celebrity found me. I don't even own a TV to this day. I have not owned a TV since I was a child in my parents' house. So I'm not really, you know, I wasn't trying to be in that world, but she found me. And then I got on a film set. And then, you know, I started working with other actors and producers. And next thing I knew, I was kind of in that world, swept into that world for the next few years. Um, and then I was getting on national television shows, just still speaking from my heart. And then the book deal started to come. And the funny part about the story is that my first book deal um, Harper Collins came to me. They were my first publisher and my editor, Sarah. And I had a book proposal, Karen, for a book called Catching the Fire. And it was basically a travel memoir when I was starting to talk about some of these teachings. Cause I was like, oh, this is how, this is all amazing stuff. This is how I'm increasing my vitality, my energy. And I'm starting to create abundance, all this stuff. And she looked at my blog and she said, you know, the food stuff, people are really vibing with your recipes and the food stuff. She said, why don't we do the, a food book first and we'll do that book second? Well, the food book, as you know, went on to become the Beauty Detox Solution, which just grew and grew, sold like a million copies and took off. So then the second book ended up being a food book. And then the third book was when I started to turn a little bit, I was like, wait a minute, this is what I really want to, this is how, you know, I know I can help people the most, which is this integration of this full holistic lifestyle. Beauty Detox Power started to come back more into chakras and energy. I don't know if you read that book, Karen. And then the fourth book was with Deepak Chopra, where it started to go more this way. And then the fifth book, and now sixth book, I'm like, guys, here's the full playbook. Here is really um, this, the key to everything, and it's inside all of us, and it's usually dormant. And a lot of our struggles is because we're over-identifying with a certain part of us, but we have this potential to tap in, and um, here it is, and I'm so excited to share it. And so in a way, it feels literally full circle. Exactly 10 years ago, the Beauty Detox Solution came out. So now six books later, 10 years, I'm coming back to the core and sharing it publicly for the first time. Well, and what's so beautiful about that too is that you talk a lot about 
that you call it the gap in between the breaths. And I had this like, ah, moment when I was hearing you say that perhaps, or reading it in the book of stillness, of finding time, whether it's during the breathing exercises, which is specifically what you wrote about um, during one of the meditations, but also just in life. I know as somebody who spent many years working in corporate, like I was going, 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 and I considered myself, I, I was really successful by a lot of outward, we'll call it the ego. In a lot of ways, I was successful, but I never really felt a lot, ups and downs here and there, happiness, maybe whatever, a little bit of a roller coaster, but I didn't give myself time to really connect with myself to do what I really wanted to do, which in a crazy way has evolved now because of my stage four cancer, because I was forced to have time to sit and talk and think and really create. And so I would love for you to share a bit about that philosophy and may, or maybe some of the practices that you use that help you connect with your true self or the goodness and love within you. Yes. So let's, let's define the true self a little bit more first, Karen, if it's sounding a little bit esoteric. And, you know, as I mentioned, the, the true self is this stable part of us. So it's this inner resource that no matter where we are in life, no matter who we are, we have this formless energy inside of us. And you can call it spirit inside of you. You can call it um, your soul. You know, there's many different ways of, um, you know, semantics, like naming it, but we know it's the part of us that is watching our thoughts. So it's deeper than our thoughts. It's this energy we feel in our heart. It's the, the instinct, the intuition that guides us beyond the logical thoughts and reason. And in yogic uh, science, the true self is who we really are. And unfortunately, in the world we live in, we tend to over-identify with this shell outside of us, which is the ego. So again, as I said, it's what we look like, all this doing. And the ego is, is sensing the world through these five senses. So what we see, what we're touching, you know, and um, smelling, it's, it's always out here. So the world will tell us, oh, you have to do more to be more, right? So that's where that rushing around you're describing comes, comes from working in corporate America. For me, I was an overachiever as well. I was, you know, for me, my grades were, you know, defining me. I was a perfectionist. It was all out here. What people thought of me, external. So the ego is out here. And so the issue with that is, you know, the, the yogis call this ego the false self. And what that means is if we over-identify, if we put our worth, our full worth in all this out here, we're never going to feel peaceful. We're never going to feel enough because this is, it's impossible. This is always shifting. There's always going to be people that have more money, more um, achievements, more followers on social media, more this and this and this. So the solution to the problem isn't found in the same system. When we when we realize I'm exhausted, I'm overworked, I don't have any stillness, I can't even listen to my intuition, I don't know in my body if I'm hungry or not because I'm so disconnected. It's not that we go to more doing, which is what I found with clients and I found with myself in the world is like, I need to be more perfect with my diet. I need to understand things more. I need to work out more. I need to be more disciplined. Like all this stuff out here. Rather, it's a shift of perspective. And the shift is instead of being out here, I go deeper inside myself. I connect inside. 
And when we start to realize that this is the big game changer, it becomes easier to create more times of stillness and more times to meditate because we feel the difference. We feel, oh man, I'm getting more creative ideas. I'm feeling less competitive. I'm feeling less agitation. Our day-to-day whole perspective of life, our experience starts to shift. So what I recommend in getting started is we need to create, first of all, a balance between our outer world and our inner world. And we need to honor that. So what I mean by that is I'm a big believer in a morning ritual, a morning practice. And I do teach something called the four cornerstones of true wellness. And they are food, body, emotional well-being, and spiritual growth. So when we want to create a very um, yeah, a life that is um, very healthy and well and well in a in a tot- you know in a total sense, it means that we need to nourish ourselves as whole beings because we are whole beings and our wholeness is our power. So in the morning, you know, food-wise, what we're putting in our body, start the day with something like hot water with lemon, a glowing green smoothie, body cornerstone, take your SBO probiotics, nourish your gut health. Maybe you do a workout or you go for a walk. Emotional well-being-wise, you take time to journal or to you know feel what's going on, any sensations in your body, anything that you need to process and let go of. Spiritual growth. This is this is to me the key to everything because. Spiritual growth is about awakening. It's about awareness. So what I recommend, even if it's five minutes or seven minutes in the morning, really take that time to do a meditation practice. And the practical enlightenment meditations that I offer are about seven minutes, Karen. You know, so we're not talking about sitting for an hour. But when you take that time to breathe into your body and to connect in, and I lead you through my practice, which is a little body work, breath work, and then the I am seed intention, which is you know, shifting from the ego into this expansive true self identity, then we are more in tune, we're centered, we're in our power, we're less susceptible to food cravings, we're less susceptible to reactions and triggers and worrying so much what other people are thinking and what they're doing. So these little small steps, creating a practice, meditating for seven minutes in the morning, and maybe that grows to 10 minutes or more. Maybe you start to meditate for seven minutes in the evening as well. And that balance between all the outer doing and the inner connection starts to grow that stillness and it starts to really grow that awareness. And from there, and I can say from personal experience, we don't have to push so much. We start to feel more... um, intuitive. We start to be guided. We start to feel like our lives are more in flow. We're less in beta brainwaves going bananas all the time. We start to slow into those alpha brainwaves, which is peak creativity. They measure that in science. It means there's more synergy and harmony and flow throughout our hormones, throughout our, you know, between our parasympathetic and our sympathetic nervous system, which is by the way, connected to our endocrine system. It's connected to our immunity. So without all the pushing, we start to feel, oh, like, yes, I know this is the right way. And here's a really creative, wonderful idea. And my energy is starting to soar and I'm feeling more peaceful. And all these things start to line up in our life. And that's what started to happen to me, Karen, like I mentioned in my story. And I don't think I'm so you know, special in any way. I feel like I had access to these teachings and it helped me, it put me on this trajectory of being more in flow versus the pushing that I had been in for 22 years before then, which is really when I started doing this. And, you know, I'm so passionate about sharing it because, wow, I think that, you know, these teachings could help everybody. Well, you bring up, I mean, so many incredible points. And I think a lot of my key takeaway 
has to do with the space, about not pushing, is about feeling. I've heard you say, instead of the that pushing of thought, to just take moments to feel, because that's where the creativity or the resourcefulness or the knowledge can come from. When you're pushing, 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 you know, you're probably exhausted and not in a place where you can take in all these other influences and inspirations around you that could get you to really where you want to be. And I think that that's key and it's very, it's beautiful. So the, the pushing comes from this um, misconception that we're trying to add on to ourselves. Like somehow we need to get love. We need to get validation. We need to get self-worth by proving it outside. And there's this amazing quote from Yogananda in the book, paraphrasing it here, but it's something to this extent that we, you know, scrape off the mud. You are the diamond. It's in there already. So we don't have to push rather than allow, allow this energy to come forward, allow the true self to emerge instead of this like egoic, (laughs) frantic rushing around. And when you start to really understand that, that we're nurturing this inner energy to come forward, we don't have to try to acquire it. It's already in there. And wow, is that powerful? Because like I said, moment to moment, people will see you in a different way you will resonate in a different way. There's a chapter on magnetism where I describe how I came to co-author a book with Deepak Chopra. It didn't feel pushy at all. It was just this allowing and showing up in my true self. And what's really powerful too is, you know, this is also the game changer. I want to mention it again, is when we start to realize we have a completely different, each of us has a quantum physics shows this as well. We have a different gravitational field, not just inside of us, but around us. So each of us is a unique blueprint and we can, we can enhance each other's experience. We do not have to feel competitive. So think about all the time and energy people waste in stacking themselves up or trying to be better than, or not feeling good than doing this and, you know, getting more stuff done to their lips or their face or, you know, whatever, just like trying to get more stuff. We can relax. We don't have to be competitive with anybody. Can you tell us a bit about judgment because that is there was a technique that you talked about in the book I think it was like mirror um was it mirror gazing or something about working on judgment because we all sometimes can be judgmental about our looks or about our work or others and this was something that I thought wow that was interesting so there's a couple of different practices in the book. The mirror gazing technique that I share is about, it's in the beauty chapter. And it's about, it's an Ayurvedic practice of where you look in the mirror into both eyes, like one at a time. And you really start to focus not on this. Most of us look in the mirror, we're looking at our makeup or fixing our hair, but we don't really look down into our soul. So that's a practice for connecting with the true self and perhaps seeing yourself for the first time. And it sounds basic, like, oh, I'm looking in the mirror, but it's actually profound. And the first time I did it, I cried because I realized I had never really taken the time to see myself. And we can't really love ourselves until we see the light inside of us, our real selves. So can I share a a quick experience? I think that happened to me when the first time I was diagnosed with cancer, I lost my hair through the chemotherapy and my hair, I was always like black, thick, beautiful, long hair. And so for me to lose the hair was a big deal. And I looked in the mirror for the first time when it was all gone. And what I saw were my 
eyes, like so bright, so sparkling. I noticed my smile for the first time. Like I kind of laughed and thought, you know, thank goodness for the orthodontist that helped me with this beautiful smile. But it was beyond that. It mm-hmm. was, I was looking in the mirror and I was seeing what I think was my soul that was just radiating. I mean, can I say I was radiating beauty that I, I was like, wow, here I am going through arguably the hardest point in my life and I'm seeing and I'm feeling beauty. And I think in some ways that's similar to what you're saying. Yes. So in the beauty chapter, what, you know, what I say is, you know, I've played with this word beauty for years. Um, Everybody is unique. So by definition, everybody is beautiful, but, but the degree to which someone is connected to their true self is what makes them really radiate that beauty. And it has nothing to do with features. It has nothing to do with, like you said, hair. It's this inner connection. And so to answer your question about judgment, you know, we start doing these practices, we start to connect inside of us. We start to naturally drop the judgment because all judgment starts with self-judgment. All the, you know, the little pickiness and the, the gossip and the comparison. It's because we don't really feel good we're not connected to our wholeness yet. So we start to connect in and it's the game changer for all the outward relationships because everything starts with self. And then we start to practice another practice. I forget which chapter it's in. Um, Maybe it's the peace chapter, but it's about practicing as you go about life, observing and not judging. So it's like, oh, there is a, a woman in a red hat versus, oh, look, that red hat is so ugly did she spend, you know, $5 and like all these things, what that does, all the judgment, it pulls our energy out. So you imagine this like central energy channel. Every time we're judging, we're putting energy into matter, you know, which is the yogic term. It's just like all this like delusion, all this stuff out here. And so we're dimming our own light. And so even though we think, oh, like I can't help but make that comment. And it doesn't I think it maybe makes you feel better for a second, but it really doesn't because it's just really destructive. It's taking your energy out of this core vitality, right? So we want to start to realize, we want to start practicing, realizing, and then practicing when we don't have to comment, please don't, because it's really depleting your own energy. There's times we have to make a decision. Am I going to get the red tablecloth or the purple one or whatever it is? But when it's just like walking around life, like, oh, there's people at the store, you know, this person chose to wear this outfit or you know, oh, you know, she she seems flustered, right? But we don't have to attach all this story to it. Oh, you know, she's probably having a fight with her boyfriend, like all this extra stuff. The extra stuff is where we have to self-manage and self-regulate our own energy and say, no, I'm not going to deplete my energy. I'm not going to throw barbs out at other people. I'm going to call my energy back in. So big, you know, big part of this practice of tapping into the true self is day to day. And oh my gosh, Karen, moment to moment, we keep calling the energy back in. And once we start to do that, we start to build this energy inside of us. And then the energy inside of us is, you know, it's similarly to when I wrote the beauty detox solution, I was talking about beauty energy. You know, when we don't have as much energy, we're dissipating in heavy digestion. The energy starts to go into, you know, rebuilding the blood and the liver tissue and the collagen, all this stuff. It's the same thing, talking about the same thing here is all this like emotional energy, all this mental energy going out all the time. We build it inside. And now that starts to be this like very powerful um, portal 
that we can go into to guide us with our intuition and guide us into you know the warrior energy of um, perseverance in our goals right in the creator energy i talk about in chapter 19 how we take all this form we put it into tangible manifestations and things we want to create the more of our energy we we build inside of us the more you know truly successful we become so beautifully said incredibly beautifully written in your book. I am so grateful that you are on Happiness Through Hardship, the podcast, to share this message with all of us. And I'm hoping that as we close out this podcast, you will play what we've played on every single episode to date. And there, at the time of taping, there have been over 75 episodes and we're going way beyond. So if you're, yay, will you play with me? Of course. Of course. So if you're new to me, The Grateful Game is a practice that my son and I created a few years oh, ago. Who's your son? My son is now almost 13. But wow. when he was nine, we got into bed and we took a gratitude journal. And it evolved to be a little bit too much before bed and taking out the pen and writing things down and keeping the light on. And so what we ended up doing is we'd shut the light We'd lie there and we'd talk about what we're grateful for and why in that day and in that day itself. And as I will always say, did it cure my cancer? Did it move huge mountains in my life? Well, maybe not. However, I do believe that it has helped us day to day look at the beauty that's all around us and that's within our life. And now, several years later, we don't always do it at night before bed, but sometimes on the way to a baseball practice, I'll say, okay, let's play the grateful game. And listen, we play it where we give ourselves two minutes time and we come up with, you know, who can come up with the most. But this practice is for everyone. Like play it the way you deem necessary. And I think for us, I would just like to say, Let's, you know, as my mom would say, it doesn't matter if you win or lose, Karen, it's how you play the game. So you mm. don't need more than I and I, I do. And so I just will say, I'm going to come up with two things that I'm grateful for today and tell you why. And then I'll toss it to you and see if you could share the same. Okay. So I will say today, as I was walking out from getting my blood work, because that's something I have to do often, I went to check my Instagram to get on there and to talk about my morning. And I noticed I hit a milestone. And I will say the milestone in itself, the number, I know, and I'm trying to connect and say numbers don't matter, right? I'm flipping the story and I'm saying to myself, let's celebrate that we together have hit a milestone. And so rather than being like, oh, I probably shouldn't go get that matcha latte, which is going to be my second thing I'm grateful for today, is number one, I, I hit the milestone and I, I want to continue because Pretty Wellness on Instagram, this community, it's beyond me. It's, you, as you know about community, it's about people feeding off each other and trying to inspire each other, whether it's healthy living mechanisms or happiness or whatever that makes them feel better. And the matcha latte, did I need it? No, but I was excited about it. And so that's how I celebrated. And it's this cute little English breakfast place that I don't normally go to. But by the way, every menu has something healthy and theirs does as well. And so I treated myself to that. And so I'm going to toss it to you. What are you grateful for and why today? Um, great story, Karen. So, you know, it's still pretty early here. It's 9.45 a.m. Um, so I'm grateful for, you know, the messiness, the beautiful messiness of my, my life. 
the four of us, we always say four buggies in a ruggy, mm-hmm. <laughs> which means my husband and I are two children. One is, you know, 16, almost 17 months. One is five. They are in our bed, you know, both of them by at least 4.30 a.m. And then they kind of get active and they tear up the um, the bedroom and like today, you know, their hands, like Moses's hands, the little ones are getting higher into the shelves. So he's taking my eyeliner, my makeup and smearing it all over the walls. And there's just like toys and like chaos. And, um, you know, I'm grateful for it. I love the, 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 the life, the aliveness. Um, the second thing I'm grateful for today is that we we had a call. We talked to um, Bibi and Zadie. So the grandparents, my husband's parents, who are coming soon to visit. They live in Canada. So we haven't really been able to see them with COVID. And I just feel like that, that beautiful um, connection. And I know it makes their day when they can talk to the grandkids and us. And so that felt really beautiful this morning, too. Well, As my mother would say, it's not whether you play or how you play, it's that you play. And so for all you listeners out there, please consider a number of these positive practices that we discussed today on the podcast, the grateful game that I play each episode in most days, or please consider buying Kimberly's book. You are more than you think you are. Practical enlightenment for everyday life because there are so many, as I call them, small steps, little steps, tips and resources for trying to connect with your best self. So Kimberly, how can people get the book and connect with you? So everything is on my website, mysaluna.com, S-O-L-L-U-N-A.com. There's a book page. We have some amazing pre-sale bonuses. Um, if you're you know, purchasing the book um, up until you know, before January, including um, reading the first few chapters, getting our Beyond Fear course. You can also get it now online, anywhere books are sold, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, and so on. But um, I am very excited for everyone out there to read it from my heart does not feel like my book. It really feels like this. I'm in service to the book. I want these teachings and these practices and techniques that I feel very honored to have come across. I want them to be for everyone. So you are more than you think you are. I truly believe that message. And, um, you know, I hope everyone enjoys the book. I know they will. Well, thank you again. And to the listeners, thank you so much for being here on this podcast episode today with Kimberly Snyder. I am grateful that you are along and I hope that no matter what you are going through in life, that you know that there is a way to find joy during whatever journey you're going through in life. So I'm sending virtual hugs out to all of you and bye for now. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you could do me a favor and take a minute to rate, review, and subscribe, honestly, you leaving a review really does help us with our podcast ranking. The higher we are ranked, the more people can discover our show. And if you tell your friends about us because you love us, they might as well. So let us know your thoughts. Please connect with us directly. We have a ton of fun on Instagram at Pretty Wellness and would love hearing from you. Thanks again for joining us today. I am sending you so much happiness and great health. Bye for now.